What is going on, everyone? You are back. This is the Coach's Corner. I am Justin Dupengeiser, and I am joined, as always, by my guy, Caleb James. Caleb, it's hot. It's camp season, and the defense had a hell of a day, apparently. For, so we're recording this on a Monday, the 9th, but the defense had a day today, apparently. Yeah, Monday, August 9th, we're recording it. Um, practice was about started about 9.15 this morning. Uh, for my personal job, I do a lot of like driving. I do a lot of stuff like that. So I'm able to listen to what's going on in the day, just listening to the different various sports talk radio outlets. And the big story of today's practice was the defense looked rather dominant. They looked good. It seems like they clearly won the battle today. Actually, a few days ago when I was up there in St. Joe, not a few days ago, about a week ago, last Monday when I was up there, I would have to give that practice to the defense also. So maybe we're seeing a little pattern together there, but defense coming out with extra juice on these Monday practices. But really, the story of the day, the story that all the national sites been going through today were that the defensive line looked particularly good. And I'm sure anyone that follows this has seen like several of the videos that I posted last week from my trip to camp. And also there's been some other great, some other great content posted by some other creators of their videos of them at camp. And I think the big thing that people need to pay attention to is they've been posting a lot of the offensive line, defensive line, one-on-one -on -one clips. We can get more into those here in a second because those are kind of useful at times, but they're not always the tell be all. But, you know, I wasn't at camp, but the report is the defense dominated. I didn't believe that. It looked like from what I've seen in the videos, Chris Jones, Duran Reed were just unstoppable in there, as they should be, because, you know, you're thinking about it, that's two top-end defensive tackles there. And Chris Jones has also been looking really good at defensive end. So that was definitely interesting to see. I think that the defense doing well has got some people confused, though, that the offense isn't doing good. Yeah, and my there's a lot to, to take away from all the posts and everything that you see. It's it is it is certainly overreaction season, um, in both in both senses, overreacting too much in a good way and overreacting too much in a panic way. Uh, a lot of the stuff, you know, one on ones like you mentioned, you just you don't you don't know what um, what somebody's working on if they're specifically working on something. A lot of these drills, you know, specifically one-on-ones, like that drill is is made for offensive linemen to fail. Like they know it's a, they know the D line knows it's a pass. They know that they're going to be able to get off the ball and just rush the passer. They don't have to worry about screens. They don't have to worry about run game. They don't have to worry about any play action. They don't have to worry about anything. They know I'm going to work a pass rush move here because the quarterback's going to catch the ball or whoever the center is going to move the ball and I'm just going to take off. So you don't want to react either way. Yes. There's some things that you could take away. And I, I think it was, I can't remember who, who pointed it out. Um, Mitch Schwartz actually made a comment on Twitter about, you know, you just, you don't know if that player is working on something specific that day that the coaches said, Hey, you know, work on this, whether, you know, it's a jump set. If you, you know, if you're, if you're a lineman, you know, offense and defensively is as far as DB and wide receiver, they could be working on something specific, working on a release that they need to have help on or working on a pattern that they're not great on. So you, you don't know, right? You don't really know what's going on specifically. So you got to kind of take stuff with a grain of salt. You don't want to get too too high or too low on any of those little one-on-one -on -one clips, in my opinion. 
Yeah, and I think I'll point it. I'll I'll go ahead and point it out because people are freaking out. They're going, man, Orlando Brown's not looking too good in these drills. Oh, uh, go back and watch his film of him pass blocking against guys like TJ Watt last season or Miles Garrett last season, which he had to do twice. Go look at that stuff before you want to talk about any of that. I know I've got some of it already posted. But the thing to remember is this team is going to be stressing what kind of looks they want Brown to get. Okay, there are times, I mean, Brown, very good quick setter, very good at just jumping off the ball and mauling someone, still needs a lot of work in his pass protection against speed rush. You look at what they're doing, though, he's going against guys like uh, uh, Tim Ward and, uh, you know, some other reserve guys, bubble guys on the roster, okay? At this point in camp, those guys are going against him, yeah, but they're, you know, Brennan Daly at that point, he's basically going to give them the kind of look that Andy Heck wants them to give. And with Orlando Brown, I think the big thing they're going to be looking to give him is they want him to get incredibly comfortable going off speed against the edge. Guys, speed rushing and a drill like one-on-one pass, bro, you could say, oh, he looks slow. Literally, it's the easiest thing a defensive end can do because they can line up the wide nine and literally just jump the snap and take an angle, and they don't have to worry about doing anything else on that. Meanwhile, Orlando Brown is moving backwards trying to block someone who is already – already has in their mind exactly what they're going to do. So you say all that, and then you go into their team period. He has a really nice block. Frank Clark tries to get him to speed to the outside and counters back in, and he just kind of extends his arms there and holds him back out of the play, and Mahomes is able to get off that little no-look throw he got today. So it's just things like that. you got to remember, man, in practice, they don't care if they're getting beaten one-on-one pass, bro. That's, that's, not, that's irrelevant whether they're getting beat. They're just trying to make sure that they get – good work and that's why it's impressive in that drill when you see guys like trey smith and joe tooney locking guys down at the line of scrimmage that's why that's impressive in that drill so the one-on-one pass pro it's important it's defensive line drill first if you want to see how the offensive and defensive line are really doing go out and you know watch them in the 11 on 11 and in the 11 on 11 today defense got the better that happens sometimes when you have two really good fronts yeah, that's that's the thing too. The eleven on eleven stuff, you can pay a little bit more of attention to to see kind of where guys are filling in, what's going on there, how they're how they're playing and performing in those type of situations. And by all reports today, like we've been saying, the D line looked to be flying around, but apparently that's kind of been the theme of camp that Chris Jones is basically unblockable at this point, um, playing both defensive end and at defensive tackle. And he looks great. I mean, I think that if you, you, you see the interviews with him, you see the clips of him, that's kind of the first thing that pops out right away. Like the guy looks like he's in just absolute phenomenal shape. He looks quick on the edge. He looks huge on the edge. And I, I'm not comparing him to this player, but he does remind me of like the size, the speed, the quickness of like a Reggie White type. Like Reggie White was a huge defensive end, you know, and everybody's going to, if they see this, they're like, oh, he's comparing to a Hall of Famer. Like, I'm just saying size, speed, quickness wise, that's, you know, you've got the, the bigger defensive ends like that, um, which, you know, we kind of were, were wondering where does he fit in, you know, with this defensive end when they talked about kicking him out. And apparently, I know it's an unofficial depth chart and my computer's going crazy again here. My unofficial depth chart that they, that came out, he's, they haven't starting that defensive end, which, you know, you take that for a grain of salt again, it's probably just, who knows who doing the depth chart thing right now at this point it really doesn't matter. But the fact that they're listing them there, I think you can take a little bit out of that. They, they really plan on using them quite a bit. I think at the end. Dude, 
and listening to like the reports, you know, he's on the radio today talking about became a pescatarian diet this winter. For those of you who don't know, that's just not really any, no red meat. Basically you're just eating fish and like vegetables and like a little bit of like carbohydrates and stuff like that. So obviously he's trying to lean down. They listed him at 290 last year, I think, or around 300. He usually plays about 300 pounds. Now he said, beginning of camp this year, he is down. A, he's in between 285 and 290. So he's definitely clearly trying to gain the quickness edge. The thing I was most excited about is he said that he's been watching his favorite player of all time, J.J. Watt's film. And when you compare him and J.J. Watt's body size right now, you know, they're not all that far alike. They're bigger body defensive ends. Same thing he said with Cam Jordan. You know, those are two guys great to be learning from. I'll say this, though, as far as Jones goes, I've written about it a little bit here the last couple of weeks. He's never going to have the elite bend to win, like, outside rep consistently. But what he has is power that NFL offensive tackles are not used to going. I will compare his bull rush, like the bull rushes that we would see out of Justin Houston. Because if you guys remember, I know Justin Houston is not that popular now. But if you guys remember back to when he was in Kansas City, he wasn't killing people getting around him on the edge. He was killing guys just going into a tackle and driving them into the backfield, blowing the pocket up, and then getting to the quarterback. I think that's what we're going to see a lot of out of Jones because you think about it, you know, what's he do well on the inside? Why is he burst low? Because on the inside, he is quicker and just as strong as any guard he's going to go against. Now he's going to give up a little bit of quickness, maybe even a little bit of length and size to some of these offensive tackles. But where he's got them at is that sheer base of power that you can see him just completely bull rush people with. So I think that's going to be really his big – that's going to be his big advantage is going to be just how strong he is compared to these NFL offensive tackles. Because And I do think at this rate we are looking to see him play outside more consistently than I might have originally thought. Yeah, and I think the, the one kind of things that help him to be able to play on the edge is – somehow the NFL letting the Kansas city chiefs get Jaron Reed to play along the interior. Like I wrote an article for um, Arrowhead live last week, talking about like what to expect uh, along the front. And the fact that he, he was even cut by the Seahawks is just mind blowing to me. And apparently the reports are out there that the Seahawks wanted to give him money and he wanted out and he wanted Kansas city and here he is. And he took a cheaper deal with Kansas city to play in there and he is he looked fantastic there was a clip um shout out to, to eddie high who has just got all these awesome videos if you go on twitter he they showed showed one where he just couldn't be blocked i mean he just they tried to run like a stretch toss and couldn't get reached he was he, he was flying through there he, he had a great play on that and anthony hitchens actually looked real quick on that play as well too reading and reacting to it so um you know, he's, he's another weapon along that front. And then you talk about Tershawn Morton, who we've talked about at length, and you see all the videos. He's pretty much unblockable at one-on-ones. He's so quick. He's so quick on those rushes. Like, Thune did a, a great job against him today. But you see him sometimes, man. He is just so quick on those rushes. So, And Mike Dana is the other one along the front that we've been hearing a lot about, taking a huge step forward, which is is awesome, right? This is his first training camp. Those These, these second-year guys didn't even have – um, this opportunity last year, they were thrown right to the fire basically <laughs> without having a training camp. So they're really getting to learn and, and, and make their, all their tools perfect before they get into the regular season, which is great to see. And it looks like it's really showing off in, in practice. Yeah. I think this defensive line is going to be a real strong unit for the chiefs. I thought so all off season. 
I know people are concerned about the outside pass rush, but man, if they can get Jerron Reed and Chris Jones going and even get something out of between Dana, Kando, Frank Clark, between Okafor, if he's still around, Colin Saunders, guy we haven't, we didn't even mention yet, he's going to make things difficult. There's like a couple of these little roster battles that I think are all going to come down to like Colin Saunders making the active roster or Jody Fortson, which we haven't even gotten into either. But it, yeah, it's fun. It's competition time. This is what you want, though. You don't want it. Like everyone's like, this is a set spot for the starters, and we don't know. I want to hear about it all. I want to hear about who's running what with the second team because, as we saw last season with injuries, it's a next man up mentality every play in the NFL, and you have to think that way. You know, it sucks, but that's just the way it is. Yeah, and, and kind of along that lines, make sure you're following us on Twitter because we're putting our thoughts and, and we're kind of talking about this stuff all the time. And one of the things that I kind of mentioned was that really pay attention to special teams units. Who are, who are they putting out on the special teams units? And and it's a good conversation we had in our in our Railhead Live Slack channel is just listen to Dave Tube because Dave Tube is going to get his pick of guys that he wants on specs. And Andy Reid always listens to him. It's just how it goes, right? If can can you play four units of special teams? And there's guys like Ben Neiman, Dorian O'Daniel, Amari Watts, who have been staples along those special team units for him for years. So when you look at it and you see a guy like uh, Devin Key or Devon Key, the undrafted rookie out of Western Kentucky, he's getting a little bit of runs with the dime looks and in the twos at safety. Um, he's got a real shot to make it now, especially if he's now he's starting to mix in. I saw on, on the punt units, and if he's doing that, he's gonna be he's gonna make the team. No, a hundred percent, he's gonna make the roster because you like you mentioned before, Dave Dave Tobe always gets about three or four guys a year that he says I don't care what they do positional wise. These are our protected special teams guys, and you know I know how much people dislike them, but Ben Neiman has been and O'Daniel Watts. Even Marcus Kemp, to some extent, they've been very solid special teams players. And where we see maybe a guy like Jody Fortson not make the roster in the past, he doesn't bring much special team value to the team. That's how these guys got to think about it, though. You know, Devin Key's not in competition with Tyron Matthew to make the roster just because they play the same safety position. He's in competition with 53 other guys based on, you know, because I think, I'll tell you right now, the Chiefs are going to make keeping a lot of offensive linemen a priority this year. They want as much depth as possible. They will never be put in the same situation again they were last year. You know, the linebacking core, maybe that's somewhere they think they're fine at. They could let a few guys go. But then, you know, you take a look at that defensive line, like I mentioned earlier, Alan Saunders is playing good. He just can't get on the field right now in this training camp period. That's what the preseason games are going to be for. They'll get all that figured out. And it is exciting to see Devon Key. Now, my theory behind that was – you know, they don't really engineer the twos and the threes, a ton of reps. I think maybe he'd been performing well. They wanted to see what he would do with the first team and see if they could get him caught up to speed with everyone else because probably just looking at him, like they said this week, he's going to be a guy that he probably ends up becoming one of those Dave Tobe special team protected guys and maybe even potentially become a rotational player down the line in his career because it does seem that they're high on him right now. Yeah, and, and the two other guys there that we've kind of name dropped already is that have been on roster bubbles in years past and everybody hypes them up and loves them that seem to really be making an impact this year is the Jody Fortson and, and Marcus Kemp. Now, Fortson, 
apparently even Tobe was saying this the other day that he looks like a tight end now, right? Like he's put on size and mass and muscle. And now maybe he can become a guy where he's on a, on, you know, a pump protect team or, or something of that nature that he can be a fourth tight end and be on all special teams and do that. And Marcus Kemp has always been singled out as, as a great gunner, you know, specifically on punt team, but a guy that has played well on all special teams. And now apparently he's playing well offensively and making highlight real catches. Now, it's going to make it hard at the wide receiver uh, position. The latest report on Kemp, I believe I saw this from Nate Taylor. He said pencil in Marcus Kemp to make this roster. He said it's going to happen. He said behind Tyree Kill and McCole Hardman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but he said behind those two, Kemp has been the third most impressive receiver. And that's awesome, dude. He's a He's been a big body guy. They've been needy. And now he might finally be able to come into it. Think yeah. of a guy like Kemp who's been just like, struggling along the practice squad his entire career, no matter where he's been, he can come in here. I think that says a lot about the culture Kansas City has, but I just thought I would bring that up real quick because it does seem like he's going to be penciled in to be a roster slot. Oh, yeah, and he said – Nate Taylor said put it in Sharpie ink. So he was he seemed pretty confident that it's going to be in – and Pete Sweeney also tweeted out that he's been the third-best receiver that we've seen in camp. So people are high on him. He's playing well, which makes you wonder, if he's playing that well, what happens to a guy like – Demarcus Robinson, who seems to be getting run and having a good camp himself. And then Nick Jacobs tweeted out that, you know, before Antonio Callaway is out with his bone bruise, that he has a pretty good shot of making this roster as well, which is, which is now you're talking six, seven wide receivers making the roster and you got to figure out where, where guys are going to get cut from, which is a great problem to have, right? This is, this is what you want. You want to build depth. You want to have tough decisions at the bottom of your rosters and you want to make people compete for those spots. Yeah, man. Just like everything you're saying, you know, where's Byron Pringle falling in this? You haven't heard his – we could talk about all the practice stuff. The preseason is going to really decide a lot in this. They've said Chad Henney's been slinging it, so I don't know if that's because Chad Henney's so good or the Chiefs' second-team receivers are also a very talented unit. But yeah. still, man, it's, it's exciting to hear good things about McCole Harder. Yeah, if exciting. you uh... – if you if you've listened to our show and followed our Twitters, you know we're uh, we're Hardman truthers, I guess if you want to call us that. But we we've said we've we've pleaded for patience. You know the, the stat that I heard the other day that just blew my mind about him. He's What's younger. That? He's younger than Najee Harris. Yeah. He's younger. He's younger than Cornell Powell. Here's what I've been trying to. He's younger than those This is what we've been trying to tell you. <laughs> like, this guy literally came into the NFL like he's almost in the same situation Orlando Brown is in he came in when he was like 20 years old yeah and played very limited amount of actual NFL wide receiver in Georgia he was like just there I mean the same stuff he did at Georgia you know the flip passes reverses that's all they did with him in Georgia that was only for a year and a half because he played corner up until that point yeah so we've been sitting here people get a little irrational because they want to play him in these big situations. I'm like, it seems like he's got his confidence now. He made some nice catches up there. You know, he still needs to work on just looking the ball and catching him. He has had a few drops here and there. That's one of the big things, his concentration. But body-wise and, like, confidence level, he seems like a completely different person this year than he did last year. And he He touched on that, too, in his interview today. He said, he said, he, you know, he had to come in with the right mindset of being a guy that the Kansas City could lean on and that they would trust and Mahomes would trust and Reed would trust to be the guy when then his numbers called, he could, he could get the job done. And 
he certainly looks at the part because pretty much every single day, maybe other than today as we record this, there's been a report of oh, another long touchdown to McCall Hardman. So you got to love to see that. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know what? Shame on that guy that posted that clip to Twitter the other day. And he's like, I find another reason to hate McCall Hardman every day. I'm like, I'm like, shut up. Yeah. I'm like, this dude has literally been tearing camp up. And right. you show a play of him. You know, why, why not just give credit to Opie Keys on that play for doing for playing hard and well? You know, you got a second round draft pick going against a guy that was a seventh round draft pick. Seventh round draft picks competing, trying to make a roster spot. You know, yeah. it's a one and it's a one on one drill. So yeah, it's important to look at the technique and stuff. But is it the end all be all? No. <laughs> How about when the Cole Hardman was out there before camp those days, catching kicks at least thirty minutes before practice even started, catching puns, getting ready? No yeah. one was talking about all that. No, and then the next rep, he absolutely cooked keys. He left them in the dust running. Like, people are just going to just, like I said, it's overreaction overreaction season. Everybody's going to take one clip and just run with it, however way leans towards your bias. Just be be objective. Understand that there's going to be a lot of reports going both ways. Try to watch, you know, the videos and take what you can. Be excited. Chiefs football's, you know, we're five, four, five days away from a, a preseason game, which I'm excited about. Let's see some of these these guys battle for the end roster spots and see who can make a play, but we want to do a quick show camp update. Any other thoughts, Caleb from camp that you wanted to get out? Man, I had a good time getting up to St. Joe. I feel bad for all the people that went up there yesterday because they got rained on. Yeah. But you know, man, it's always nice seeing those videos coming out of there, that offensive and defensive line going at it. You know, you may see it one side, but the days I was up there, it looks like the offensive one. Some days it looks like the O-line's winning. Some days it looks like the D-line's winning. That's what you want. They need to get to the point where, yeah, we have Patrick Mahomes, but we're also just going to physically abuse you in the trenches also. Oh, yeah. And we talked about the O-line. You can find that video along with a bunch of the other breakdowns we had. And we talked in pretty much in depth about what the O-line, new O-line is going to bring and how we predicted a lot more gap scheme, which apparently everybody went crazy about when everybody started seeing more gap scheme early in camp. And we, we had that literally posted in May that we thought that that was going to happen. So not to toot our own horn, but, you know. Just call it counter. We call it a guard tackle counter. It's called counter. You yeah. talk to anyone that knows what football is, when you say counter, they'll have an idea of what's about to happen on that play. Yeah. Uh, you might want to say Y counter if instead of the tackle pulling, right. you've got your tight end or H counter if you've got your H back right. pulling coming through. It's just counter, guys. It's, it's just counter. It's just counter. We, it's just counter. Uh, but, no, good times. Big news, too. We got, uh, if you remember from last year when we were previewing the AFC and the AMC, we had Matthew Collar of the Purple Insider on with us, and he is going to be back with us again this week. So we're going to be recording a show with him to get a little NFC preview out there. So we're excited to have him on again. Um, big things, obviously, Vikings camp's been pretty crazy with everything. So I'm, I'm excited to kind of hear what he has to say about that and, and the entire NFC because a lot of stuff going on in the NFC right now. That's for sure. Caleb, why don't you let everybody know what you're working on, where they can find you, and uh, we'll get out of here. All right, guys, you can find me on Twitter. As always, that's CJ Scoops. Uh, the NFL not having coaches film right now on Game Pass is making things incredibly difficult for me to get content out to you. I've been looking through, like, different prospects and stuff for, like, defensive ends because I think the Chiefs are going to draft a defensive end this year. But it, it just doesn't seem right posting prospect film this close to the season. 
right now, especially with, you know, I, the way the Chiefs defensive line is currently looking. But I'll have an article out later this week on the Chiefs, who I think is going to make the Chiefs offensive line on that final roster and get ready because I'll be doing a couple of articles a week coming up on the Chiefs offensive line's progress throughout the season as they come together as one cohesive bunch. That's going to be a ton of fun. But, yeah, on, at CJ Scoobs, go ahead and check it all out, guys. I appreciate all the support from you all. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at jdiz1617. I've got an article that will be coming out tomorrow kind of talking about Brett Beach and undrafted free agent Devon Key and kind of basically how the Chiefs are at a huge, huge advantage because Brett Beach just finds these undrafted guys and builds rosters with them, and it's just he's, he's so good at that stuff. So be on the lookout for that, but we appreciate everybody being here. Make sure that if you're liking all this stuff, it goes a long way to smash the like button and subscribe to the channel for us. It really does. Um, it keeps us going, and uh, w- but we do appreciate all the support. Lots of content coming down the pipe, guys. Football season's here, so we're going to be back breaking it all down for you like we are today. But once again, appreciate you being here. We'll talk to you next time.